0: hi friends it's sarah may and this is an episode about feeling like a fraud for when you have the voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough and you have no idea what you're doing are you guided by a belief that something is wrong with you You're not good enough, and that you can barely keep people fooled about the fact that you are smart and capable. Maybe you constantly seek out the likeness of somebody worthy, but you always seem to feel just as worthless as before. You're never thin enough, you're never successful as you'd like to be, or maybe you're living a life that you know you don't want, but you're too afraid to do anything about it because it's going to show the world that you are weak and afraid and a shameful loser. So it's just better to stay safe and protected in the lie, even though you feel suffocated and stifled by this life. Well, if this sounds like you, then you are in good company because this is a universal human trait to feel that we're not good enough and we never will be. And all we can do is manage and hide. And that's because so much of The self is defined by things we learn from others. The brain we use to drive and make money is also the brain that computes risk based on very specific things like the structure that we've built via our life experiences. So it's natural to have grown up with a set of beliefs that are, to say the least, not in favor of confidence and self-love. So many of us grow up with a subconscious understanding That we are only good and worthy if we do X, Y, Z. And that we have to keep trying or else we are unlovable. That that X, Y, Z depends on your upbringing, your parents. How you were taught your worth by how you received love. But in the West, it usually revolves around things like being strong, resilient, not having weakness, never crying, being a leader getting the, the right job, looking thin and sexy and having a specific kind of house, car and having attained a certain status by a certain age, etc. So it's a standard upheld by you as you grow and mature and it's also upheld by everyone around you. Thus, the deceptive nature of this damaging belief system. We cannot tell we are a victim to a lie because it's operating so powerfully around us and therefore, it underlies everything we believe to be true. It acts in all of our actions all the time. And as this lie progresses, so does the depths of our feelings of worthlessness. So if this sounds like you, I hope to offer you some relief in the form of understanding, plus a few tools to manage the effects. And as usual, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. And this one is for Guy. The what. We often seek validation from outside of ourselves because when you don't feel convicted in yourself, it's a quick fix to feel okay. If this, then that. If this person says I'm good, then I'm good. Which is fine while it lasts. The negative of this construct comes when we slow down. Or, heaven forbid, we are told we are not good. That external feedback now has the power to crush your soul and reduce you to the shell of a human. Because if you're not awesome and fantastic, you're stupid and talentless. Which is very dangerous because the fall is so severe. This external validation is something that is never quenched, never enough to make you believe you're finally worthy. Because beneath it all will always be the dark lurking truth. I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm worthless. What I'm doing is not enough. I should have tried harder. I'm secretly bad. All of these dark thoughts also perpetuate themselves to darker and darker degrees, training in the chemicals and mental associations that we have with who we are. It becomes like a dark secret truth that never stops. The voice I'm speaking of is the narration of the ego, or the thinking organ we call a brain. This is the logic center that solves incessantly and measures things to create a sense of control. The if this, then that is merely a habit of thinking that can get very out of control, especially when it's left to its own devices and it runs rampant. And it's purely motivated by fear, by perceived threat. It's deceptive, this ego, because it is built by our experiences and therefore it appears to be our self, our truth, how we shape a worldview around our place. It dictates who we are. I want to start this section, the what, by telling you a story about a lab rat experiment. And yes, this is sad, so I'm very sorry that you have to hear something mean done to rats. So let's pretend that they were all okay in the end. So this is actually from the book, um, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog, in case you would like to read about it, written by a doctor. So there are two rats in this experiment, and one of them is fed by a tube, and every time it gets shocked, uh, every time it eats, it gets shocked. But the rat continues to feed from the tube because it can control the pain, and therefore it grows tolerant to it, so it's manageable. The other rat, however, gets shocked when the other rat feeds, so in its experience, this shock is random. There's no logic to it whatsoever. And it's so overwhelmingly terrifying because there is no order to the pain. So this rat begins to deteriorate and suffer heart problems and emotional problems, and it cannot deal. Basically, it has a mental breakdown because it is so tortured by the the non-logic, the non-order of every time this pain comes. So the reason I'm telling you this story is not to make you depressed and sad about animal testing, it's to remind you or educate you on the fact that humans are exactly the same way. In order to manage pain and feel safe with it, we need to place it within our control. We need to give it a label. And the reason people put themselves into situations where they're even causing their own pain, like for example, with self-cutting, self-mutilation, is because it is a self-defense mechanism designed to protect them. So your brain is actually giving you some sort of structure to your own pain so that it is tolerable because it's much easier to handle if it's something that you can predict and and put a name on. So people tend to do this thing, which is the reason I feel bad is because of blank. The fact that I'm worried about the future. When I grew up with feelings of Anxiety and fear, it's because I have a, I'm have i a bad kid and I have a tendency to break things. Like It, it becomes something that is a result of us, it has to be in our control. And that is something that carries on into many realms of life. We manage pain by labeling it. And it's always something that in, is in our sight that makes sense to us. For example, food or our body. If we aren't in peak physical shape, then that's the reason that we don't feel happy or good, or our job. If I don't have that job, it's the reason that I feel worthless. I need to have that in order to be happy. The list of reasons that we designate are endless, and often you'll find yourself searching for the reason in yourself. Why am I feeling this way? It must be because of uh, money, it has to be because of money. So that process of searching for the cause of the pain is this in itself. It is the managing of uncomfortable feelings. It's for you to be able to control it. So have you ever thrown a party and seen only thing that didn't go to plan is the only thing you focus on. So everyone had a great time, but you're focusing on the fact that the the invitations didn't get printed correctly or the souffle wasn't brown enough. So that is a very bad habit. Focusing on what's wrong that is built into us from a very young age. The belief can take a million different forms, but the literal translation of it and how it manifests in us is the same. I'm not good enough. That's what the feelings boil down to. The truth is, who you are cannot be dictated by something else or any external measure. It is always equally perfect. So as we live life from a whole and perfect place, external validation should be kind of a nice-to-have, but it should be irrelevant to your sense of self and your happiness. So its I know that that is something great in theory, but it's way more difficult in practice. And that's because we rely on these external factors. It's easy to blanket yourself with them and make yourself feel okay about yourself via something else. Having the right stuff can make you feel at peace with who you are or more make you feel slightly more in control of the anxiety. Your brain can continually look to things around you as proof that you're not a loser. If this, then that. The poor old broken solving machine that is your brain. But it's not right and it's not cool because it's cheating you out of having yourself of knowing yourself, of knowing your worth outside of this external validation. So this is really about growing the base you have inside of yourself right now, knowing your own worth outside of this external validation and deliberately not seeking anything from the outside to define you. So it's like taming this voice of negativity so that you can Retain enjoyment in every part of your life, which is what is available to you right now, and it's what you deserve. Which brings me to part two, the why. So a lot of how sensitive you are to the opinions of others is affected by genetics, how tough and tolerant you are and how extroverted you are, etc. Childhood rearing can also play a ginormous role. So your parents kind of set the stage for your understanding of yourself versus the world. So if you grow up with parents telling you that you are amazing and talented, you're more likely to believe that when you're an adult. When you grow up with parents who instill confidence while allowing you to test your limits, you will feel pretty empowered. Or if you grew up with feeling uh, like you couldn't do things, like you were always messing up, like you were not completely loved unconditionally, then you will end up developing into an adult who retains the patterns of that childhood self, which is seeking something outside of you, desperately trying to earn it, and secretly believing yourself to be unworthy. Another major cause is if you are not accepted by a parent, if you're told you are wrong, if you're bad, then you will grow up with a secret, a dark belief that you are unlovable. So there's also the upbringing that involves major trauma when you feel like you're unsafe or unaccepted it can inspire in you a uh, need to feel in control of how others receive you for example let's say if you move to a new place you might develop an overwhelming need to fit in and please others so the manifesting of the belief that you're not good enough and you're not worthy becomes a system That allows you to control all different kinds of fear and anxiety it creates relief while at the same time creating additional fear and a belief a heavier set in belief of low self-worth so your rationalization becomes something you live out as a truth and it starts a very vicious loop that reinforces itself it feeds itself the belief is that we're not good enough and the thoughts are that we are a fraud then we take actions as a person that is truly not good enough by, ma- by maintaining a defensive position, by not admitting we don't know, by lying about our success, by feeling the need to be something other than what we are. And then the cycle begins again. You have reaffirmed your unconscious actions, that you're not good enough as you are. And when this becomes your pervasive sense of being, you lose complete sight of who you really are and your value truly in this world, because everything becomes seen through the lens of, I'm worthless and hateworthy. So this is how we get stuck in the hunt for the fix, for stronger skin products that solve wrinkles, or the need to get the fancier car, or the pretend smile on our face while we enact fake hobbies. It's never-ending, and that's because we're looking for the solution to a problem that has no face. It's the pain, it's always the same old pain, and it's always been there lurking deep down And it freaks us out and causes us to point to something. It's that same old need to control and manage it so it's not so unbearable. Because the pain of worthlessness is quite painful. (laughs) It's dark, it's deep, it's scary, and it's from a place that is so deep and painful that we feel paralyzed by how stupid and incapable we become as a result of it. So when we are in this place, we have no friends, we have no love, we have no real value in the world, and we can't use any of our skills because we are reduced to nothing. So we run from this potential state, this state of hating ourselves, because it's something driven by extreme terror. It can be such a vicious place, the voice you hear in your own head. It's toxic, it's evil, it's dark, it's scary. Can you imagine if you are able to hear those words out loud? Can you imagine them coming from anyone else? Probably not. Because sometimes they're unspeakable. And the depression they can cause is so debilitating. It can take you out of work for a while. It's, it's so potent. So this labeling of it as something that would reduced to us, is a way for us to empower ourselves. It's a way for us to manage and keep at bay this dark, dark voice inside our heads. And it only lasts a little while. Also, coincidentally, a culturally supported ruse. Because everyone's doing it, so it's normal. It gives us the illusion that we're solving something rational. Because it's allowing us to take things in our own hands and be more empowered and solve problems that everyone else seems to be wanting to solve, like fitness problems. And it becomes something that's like a personal maintenance versus something that's destroying your life. And Because this problem is very much just running from a dark, deep void inside, it can also catalyze problems like addiction People want to fill the void. It's like this bottomless pit feeling. So it can lead to attempting to soothe that with a drug, whether that be stuff, shopping, or food, or alcohol, or work. When we martyr ourselves with long hours, it's a way to feel valuable in a way that we can see. It's proving our own worth to ourselves. And all of this is an attempt to numb the fear. But it's always waiting for you. And at the first reminder, you fall back again to ground zero. So you have to stay busy, distracted, and just keep looking at all the things that you have to worry about and about tomorrow and a week from now. Never stop. So the other half of the why is why did it start? Where did it originate? The fixation on our flaws comes from managing the fear of knowing Your own worthlessness, running from acknowledging the darkness that waits within. This lie that we believe is truth. So we are constantly renaming it and calling it out as this is the source. No, this is the source. So it originates from a lot of different places all the time. But it starts with childhood and how we are loved by our parents, the rearing style. So we develop a fear of rejection based on how we were given love by our parents and how we were taught by our peers and our social influences what our worth is based on those experiences. Parents universally tell kids to act, to not be the way they are, because it's bad and it will only lead to a life of pain. And that's just a way to protect them, to love them, and discipline them away from the mistakes they made themselves. So it's usually unconscious and it's meant to be loving, but it's reinforced through behavior. It's very subtle. Like when a parent tells you with their reaction that being loud or dressing in colorful clothing or wearing lots of makeup is shameful or they react to your tears with anger. So this tells the child that you are not loved if you're weak and that you should cover that emotion, that you should hide it. So all of this is the faded effect of their parents, and what has been altered is what they have focused on as important in themselves. And that's because often parents, just like you, are using this child as a testament to their own worth. They they use it as proof to reaffirm that they are good at something, and then this is like, a, I don't know, a, an accolade of sorts. If their kid turns out well, it means they are successful. So they're using you as an extension, of validation of themselves. Another cause uh, or, or an origin of worthlessness or feelings of worthlessness, or that you are not, you're a wrong or a fraud is if you were brought up into a religion or a family system that tells you you were born bad, that you are a sinner that must be afraid for yourself and that you should not allow your true nature to rule you. So those beliefs, even if you do not subscribe to them, they still have the power to infect your perception of self. So they create a fear-based framework within your life and the way you relate to everything sex and love and self-worth. So if you allow your truth to arise, it's coded as bad and dangerous. So life becomes kind of an exhausting battle to suffocate and silence the truth in yourself. A lot of these beliefs scar very deeply and they can be working invisibly inside us regardless of whether or not we subscribe to the religion past childhood. And work kind of in the subconscious realms, making you feel that you're evil or just perpetuating a constant state of guilt. Other times, feelings of worthlessness come from an event or an experience that you could not understand as a kid. For example, a trauma that happened to you young because a children's way, a children's way. (laughs) A child's way of managing abuse or a trauma is to put it within their control, just like the lab rats. The anxiety and fear has to be within their power. Like, they have to be the ones that caused it. They have to be the bad one. And therefore, it begets more of the same beliefs and habits because they act as that. Another source of fear is the fear of not fitting in, of being different than others. Because culturally, we are taught to compete, to be popular, to win, to be first. So when it comes to social circles, many of us don't belong to the popular groups at school. Or we don't like the other things that everyone else likes. And in our immediate town, if we grow up in a small group where everyone seems to have the same beliefs, it can tell you early on, if you don't agree with everybody else, like something's wrong with you why are you not like everyone else? That's That must be that you're weird and that you should conform. And so a lot of people do conform. They pretend to be like everybody else, but secretly they're lying. And then the other half of people just feel like an outsider. And to be different and unique is a plus later on in life. You realize that's your greatest gift when you get older and you find your tribe. But before then, you have to the fear and anxiety causes you to want to fit in with everybody else. If you're not like everybody else, most kids take that to mean I'm weird and there's something wrong. And finding your tribe eventually is a wonderful and special moment in life. And if you're lucky, you grow up with yours, but many don't find your tribe till much later, one person at a time. So the people that make you feel you truly belong are the people that share your makeup. But as a child, if you have a fear of not earning the right attention built into you by your parents, then your instinct will be to act like other people, to change, to be like what everyone else wants you to be. And hopefully you'll grow out of this, but if you are more riddled with the intense fear, you sometimes don't. And with time, you lose sight of the value of the original person and over more time, You forget that person altogether. And all that lives is the voice telling you, keep up, keep up, or else they'll know. So if this is like you, you likely wish for the peace and intimacy and comfort with yourself and with all others. You probably dream of feeling like you belong, that you're accepted, that you're affirmed as part of the right group. We all live in quest for belonging. But this secret belief of worthlessness will trick you and keep you always feeling outside of your own group, even when you found it. You will always perceive yourself to be the liar and the fake, that this group will soon learn that you are a loser and you're not like them at all. From this place, you perceive everything negative in life to be your fault. So if bad things happen, you might see it as the result of your looks or your shortcomings or the fact that you're false. It is also the case that if you grew up with fearful and nervous parenting, you probably never went outside of what you were allowed to do. You never got to test your limits. Maybe you had parents that coddled you and never let you mess up. You never got to witness your own power. So the result is feeling trapped in a bubble. The flip side of feelings of worthlessness appears as a massive ego, feeling constant pride, only feeling like you when you're receiving applause and accolades. The tragedy of this comes when the applause ends and you realize it was all you had to feel your worth. Many celebrities have this late in life when they lose the connection to the applause, then they lose all of their value because it's the only thing that dictated it to them and they end up feeling hollow. And when you have an ego that is completely sustained by external factors, if you're only allowing feedback to tell you your worth, that is a constant chase. It's a constant maintenance of keeping up the acclaim, keeping up the applause. I need another badge. I need a new car. The upkeep is exhausting because this filter is constantly in you searching for the holes, the negatives, because we're human and we're imperfect. Thus, your ego is always going to find some flaw. No matter how perfect you make your life, you're always going to see that should be this. This is, I'm too this, I'm too that. So it'll continually force you to try even harder. So you pair this flip side with the person who instead takes out their low feelings of self on others this person has disdain and hate for others finds the flaws in everybody else attaches to what's wrong how everyone's not good enough and how other things are shitty and that is really just a way to manage pain and anxiety by putting other things lower than themselves when people do this they are able to temporarily feel superior and soothed in the worthlessness and self-hate It's also a welcome distraction to hate other things, whether it's the weather, the taxes, the stupid people on TV, etc. The tragic irony of all of this is that by doing this to be good or right, you're fast-forwarding your way to your death. The preoccupation of feeling whole is actually what robs you of your truest, richest life. And with that, knowledge of who you really are. That is the most wonderful discovery there is to experience. The discovery of self. To know thyself is the point of life. So the saddest part of this distraction, this obsession with how we can not feel bad about ourselves, is what unknowingly removes us from the wonderful ride designed just for us, this lifetime that's meant to grow us and help us understand and accept and evolve. Because the pain of failure is too great. We would rather stay safe, keep it at bay, hide, push other things away from us. And that's when people end up sticking with okay rather than going for their dreams, rather than discovering what makes them happy. And all the while, removing a connection to self, which is really the value of life. How you as a human experience this path is what allows you to get the most out of it. So the fear keeps you trapped in what everyone else deems okay, what others say is worthy, despite the fact that maybe you find no joy in it. It keeps many from pursuing their passions, their loves, their true self, which is something they often realize when it's too late and the ride is up. I never even liked this right in the first place. My dad told me to take this one. Spirituality is the process of seeing the truth by shedding the ego and what creates in us over lifetimes to torment ourselves. It's the slow melting away of the layers and the confines taken on by a fearful and pain-adverse self. So with that aspiration in mind, Let's get to the good part, the tools. So I'll give you a warning with the tools. We all have our own specific cocktail for healing, and there are some deep pockets of pain that can persist. So if you don't reach success with something, and you've tried it really hard, and you're thinking, oh, I just am not curable, that's not true. It's just there are certain things that work for some people, and there are certain things that don't. So... It's all about finding out what works for you. Some things literally just don't work for certain people. So don't assume you're doing things wrong or that you're broken. You might mistrust that you are even healing yourself right now because you assume that there's something wrong with you, that it won't be inclusive to you, that you're not good as good as everyone else listening to this. But that's just your brain in this Terrible worthlessness habit. That's not actually true. So give yourself the time and the range to figure out what works for you. So tool number one, recognize. I know this sounds so no-duh, but I want you to do this right now. Think about yourself and try to see whether or not these habits, these thoughts have been ringing true for you. Because the key to freeing yourself from the voice of negativity is to acknowledge and recognize that it exists. Notice it. See it as a presence in your life and examine its edges, its outside. What does it look like? What does it consist of? How big is it? Define it to yourself. Truly, from this vantage point, when you point out what this dark voice sounds like, you can see it from the outside. You can see outside of this belief system that hurts you and it is from this place outside of it that you can begin to have hope or relief. It is also from this place that you can for the first time grieve for what you have already lost and see how much of your life has been stolen from you by unnecessary pain and self-loathing and it might shock you. It might make you really sad for yourself because yes it is but now is the time to Acknowledge it and then focus on what you want to change, what you can help, and how you want to grow yourself, what direction you want to head moving forward. It's the time to shed the belief so you can grow. So think of it as symbolic of something great and wonderful, a change of foot. Instead of getting mad at yourself, just feel compassion for yourself because these systems developed in you for a very good reason originally, and that was probably to manage pain, so to give you a sense of control over it now, however, it's unconsciously hurting you and steering your life. But by looking at this pain, you heal it. So you are at this stage right now. You are looking at it. And that is a major high five to you. When you let go of this, you come into a true knowledge of who you really are. That's number one, recognize. Number two, affirmations or gratitudes. Don't roll your eyes at me. I know this is the dorkiest, self-helpiest sounding thing ever. I know that, but it's in here because it actually works. Even if you hate journaling and you hate the word gratitudes and you hate affirmations, I know they sound awful, but I want you to start going through these motions. If you refuse to get a journal, at the very least, just write them in your phone and even delete them immediately afterwards so no one else sees them. This is basically just a daily process of writing Three things that you are grateful for, like novel things, like they can't be the same thing, like food and house. Like it has to be something new. The nice thing that the yoga teacher said to me today, et cetera. So that's the gratitudes. And then the affirmations is five things that you are that are good. So mine are I'm inspiring, powerful, balanced, calm, something, something I can't remember right now but I want you to write those down and do them every day because what happens is subconsciously your brain adopts them and you actually start believing them. So it's not bullshit, do it. I know it sounds dorky, do it. Number three, friend, witness. So this is just a visualization for when you are, I think when you have feelings of low self-worth, the most terrifying thing in the world is the voice in your own head. It's so mean and terrifying. It's like the devil. So in this process, when your brain is saying awful, horrible things, imagine there's a friend sitting in your head eating popcorn and listening to what the voice is saying, somebody you know that you respect, and what what will they think? They would be like horrified. They would be like, how dare? This is awful. This voice is saying this. So just imagine that you are saying that. In front of a friend and this is a guide for whether or not that's cool or you need to shut it up immediately because your friend's going to be like oh my god you can't say that that's awful friend witness number four the label maker is broken so you know those like label makers that are really fun to use and stick things on this is a visualization for when you have so when you have low feelings of low self-worth you'll have a constant need to label things as the cause of your pain, and it'll be compulsive, but they're never real. So you'll constantly constantly be searching for what's wrong in your life as a way to feel like, oh, I, I feel anxiety, so therefore it must be coming from my fat thighs. Like you have to think of a way to give it some source, but that's actually perpetuating you feeling like something is wrong. So it's actually hurting you. It's creating more pain. So this is to remind yourself All of those labels are false. This fucking label maker is broken. Don't listen to what they say. Remember that they are meaningless and they are unfounded. And this is your brain constantly searching, looking desperately for things that are bad and wrong. You have to ignore them. And you have to look for something that will soothe the chemicals in your body. You have to like chemically process the anxiety and the pain and like distract yourself. That's number four. Number five, that catchphrase sucks. So this is a reminder to identify the kind of go-to self-loathing catchphrase that we tend to say to ourselves. And it is a tired symptom of our low self-worth. For example, the old standby is like, I feel bad. How many times do you hear yourself say that? I feel bad. Fucking stop saying that. It's like so annoying and like stop feeling bad. I say that and then I'm like, I'm going to stop saying that because it's dumb. It's a waste of time. Or even if your your catchphrase is like hating on things, if you say like, oh, I hate that, if that's something you hear yourself saying all the time, that's a reflection of negative feelings about yourself coming out. Because when you feel really good about yourself, you don't really care to hate on anything. You're pretty much in love with everything and like, ah, that's not my thing, but, you know, more power to them. So... Throw away whatever your hate-filled catchphrase is. Just notice them. All of them have to go. It's just a bad habit, and you probably don't even actually hold the belief. It's just coming from this kind of uh, protective, you're protecting your, your secret truth of I'm not a good person. So throw them away. The catchphrase sucks. Number six, when it rains, the road gets full of potholes. So this is like, you know, it's true. When it rains, then all of a sudden there are all these holes in the road. So don't be worried. Know that that's going to happen. So this is a visualization tool. This is for anybody who's been doing a lot of work on themselves and they have been processing feelings of anxiety and fear and low self-worth. And it's just kind of a warning for in the future. It's a heads up. When you are emotionally taxed and when you go through something that's very overwhelming or emotionally draining, it tends to bring up, it it tends to make you regress temporarily into old managing tactics. It's more for you just to be aware. So when it happens to you, don't worry, you're not reverting back to before you did all of your therapy. It's, It's just what happens when we are reduced to our base level kind of survival self, when all of our chemicals are low and we're really sad, we tend to revert to like our cranky baby, mean, sad selves where everything's bad. And that's just because it's old kind of muscle memory. So when you are operated by your base level, kind of, I'll call it the reptilian brain self, that's when you tend to react. You are reactive, you are not reflective. That's when you are you snap at somebody instead of saying, like, I am going to not say that. It's not worth saying. So know that if that happens, it's more a sign that you need to be extra gentle with yourself and rest. But you need to most importantly not listen to those voices of negativity and not believe that, like, oh, it's just like it was before. I just started it over again because I'm already... I can tell that I'm, like, in a lot of pain and I'm feeling terrible about myself. Like, don't listen to those old habits. It's just temporary if you've been through, let's say, a lot of emotionally draining stuff recently. In closing, we are, by nature, imperfect, and that is a beautiful thing. We are organic, we're special, we bloom, and we change into something unknown to us yet to be discovered. And your job is to get out of the way and allow that to happen bravely and with grace. That is the natural state of all things that are alive. We grow and we blossom. And why would you ever focus on attempting to deny that? The peace and enjoyment of life truly comes when you accept your humanity and you let go of attempting to deny it when you realize it's silly and pointless to fight nature. When you're trapped in the struggle, you forget that there is a flowing river outside and inside you that guides you and you need to stop trying to row the other direction. When you stop needing to control things, you realize that you are full of a bright energy that can be free and open and experience every moment without pain or resistance or fear. Allowing yourself to fuck up and be bad at things is how you get to everything good that will happen in your life. So quite honestly, embrace it. Embrace falling flat on your face. Look forward to that feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing. Walk into it. Claim it as your own. Talk about it. Own it. Because that means you're doing something right. It means you're actually growing. Things are changing. When I go outside of myself, when I feel like outside of my element, I'm proud of myself because it's, some, it's a sign that something good is going to come of it. I'm going to grow a new muscle. just like doing a podcast or a blog. When you scare yourself, it's a good sign. It's a sign you're allowing things to change you. You're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, to not know. And That truly is the most confident state to be in opening yourself up to the ability to fail, to not know, to not be the best, to not get chosen, that is how you get to who you are and your best self. It's the biggest part of growing into a confident, happy person because you get good at it and then you grow faster and faster and you get more and more free with every step you take in a new direction. And the fear and the, holy shit, I'm going to fail – It doesn't go away, but you get used to it and then you learn to recognize it for what it really is. It's an old habit of thinking. It signals that you are human and alive and this is just a normal part of life. The other narrative you hear is not real. The negative talk is manufactured by the voices and opinions of others, others that don't matter. So it's got no relevance, no weight, no bearing on the value of your life. You want to surround yourself with people who are able to say, I don't know, and that are smart enough to know they know nothing. That is where growth lives. And that is where true confidence and freedom reside. Who you are and what you are worth exceeds what any person or thing can tell you. And in order for you to know that, you have to choose to meet the self that is you and let go of the darkness. So move into the light of truth. Send you my love. Smile.